Welcome to the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your employees all the information they need to be successful at their jobs. Now, let's get started with the show. Dr. Jeremy Weiss here, host of the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your staff everything they need to be successful at their job. Um, you know, I'm here with Chuck Randolph at At Risk International. I'm going to formally introduce Chuck in a second, but Chuck, I always like to mention other episodes people should check out, and we'll have yep. to mention your podcast as well. Um, but past guests include David Allen of Getting Things Done, Michael Gerber of The E Myth, and, and many, many more. Um, let's mention, I'll give a shout out. What's tell people your name of your podcast and what's a couple yeah. cool guests that you've had on or yeah, topics. Uh, yeah. Uh, thanks, Jeremy. So our pod, the podcast that I've co-host on, we're on, uh, year five. Uh, it's called conversations in close protection. And we have a myriad of folks from the risk world. Um, folks like uh, we've had authors like, uh, Spencer Corson and Michael Trott. We've also had, um, uh, risk professionals um on um C cso's uh we've had many protectors we do breakdowns of incidents we recently just talked about the haiti assassination we also spend a lot of time talking about technology strategy we've had people like fred burton from ontic on before so you know i, I wish i could point to one or two but uh, if you're interested in risk or you've ever been interested in the protection world, or you you know like to know a little bit more about the the bones of that stuff, uh, go on over to Conversations in Close Protection. Awesome. And before I introduce Chuck, this episode is brought to you by Sweet Process. And if you've had team members ask you the same questions over and over again, and maybe the tenth time you spent explaining it, there is actually a better way. There is a solution. Sweet Process is a software that makes it drop dead easy to train and onboard new staff and save time with existing staff. And I was talking with. One of the owners, Owen, not only do universities, banks, hospitals, and software companies use them, but first responder government agencies use them in life or death situations. So you use Sweet Process to document all the repetitive tasks that eat up your precious time and your team's time so you can focus on growing. Um, you can sign up for a free 14-day trial, no credit cards required at sweetprocess.com, sweet like candy, S-W-E-E-T process.com. And I'm here with Chuck Randolph. He's a senior director of global operations for At Risk International. And with experience in the security industry as a military officer, Chuck leads the way in planning strategic development, tactical deployment, and management of globally sized risk management teams. And you wouldn't know by looking at him if you are watching the video, but he has over 30 years experience. I was looking at his track record of working at Microsoft for 20 years, being in uh, an officer in the Army National Guard for 30 years. He's worked at the, the com you know, steering committee of the U.S. Department of State. He's got a huge breadth of experience and knowledge, so I'm excited to chat. So, Chuck, thanks for being with me. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes when I, 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 I was sitting here listening, I think like, man, that guy sounds like a goofball thanks. and pretty cool. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, you know, we're going to get into some, since there's a lot of COs, some operational things and about, you know, leading risk management. But I wanted to start with what At-Risk International does and, and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So At-Risk is a, uh, a very quiet consultancy. You know, often in the security world, you hear the idea of the gray person, you know, or security, it should be a transparent function. 
At Risk has been around since 2003. It truly is a security consultancy from soup to nuts, you know, doing things like threat management, operational assessment, um, providing boots on the ground type of protection work, intelligence, uh, you know, some call it boutique intelligence. Uh, I just like to call it, you know, uh, directed intelligence efforts, you know, such as reports, risk, uh, scenario-based, red teaming, all, all kinds of things. So uh, we've operated in over 118 countries. Uh, we've got uh, offices in five different states and one in the UK and one in the Netherlands. Um, and it is, uh, I've been there about a year and I'm the senior director for global intelligence and operations. That just means a lot of the work that's being done by the fine folks of at risk kind of falls up into my desk uh, for uh, management and operational oversight. To put some color around it, what would be an example? What do you get calls about? Gosh, uh, that's a good question. So I, we were just talking before we turned the, the mics on it, like you have your day and, you know, probably like you and many, I have a process. My process is a, is a book and I sit down and write in it like I need to do. Oftentimes, the five or six things that I know are, are sacrosanct for me to do that day get ripped out because of the needs. You know, for example, we could get a phone call and I'll, I'll give you I'll give you a range. The range could be, hey, I have a death threat that's come to me and I'm on my way to do a speech in Washington, D.C. Can you guys help me with some threat management? We could also get a call that says, hey, like I'm going to are- be at my speech in five minutes. So I need help. Uh, of, of course. And yeah. that. Doc, that always comes in Friday at 5 p.m., by the way. Um, we also uh, do work with uh, multinationals and NGOs and uh, government organizations to do assessments, training, and other type of work uh, overseas, uh, perhaps maybe to provide subject matter experts for training teams. Uh, we could be working at any given time on a political campaign, doing threat assessment and event, uh, some call it event security. I would call it event risk management, uh, to, Hey, we're a startup. We're about to go public and we need some assistance putting together a, a security program or an apparatus to, we are a company that's been around for a long time, but we suddenly believe that there might be a need to have a greater security presence or risk management presence in our company. Can you come in, do an assessment and tell us what it's about? I mean, and, and then, I mean, there's all kinds of things in between that too. So, you know, surveillance, surveillance protection, counter surveillance, protection, surveillance, intelligence, risk assessment, travel security. I mean, I, I wish I could say here's the top two or three yeah. things, but it changes every day, my friend. You know, uh, and we'll go into some of the processes and systems and operations around, you know, the, you know, we were talking about, you were talking about the convergence of digital and physical threats. And so I don't know if you want to separate them out and talk about some of the things that companies should be thinking about to create processes around digital threats and then maybe talk about the physical uh, piece, because I know a lot of people do think about the digital right now. Well, it's interesting because I think uh, we look at digital, we see it every day in the media. Uh, you, and we've talked about this on conversations, close protection before as well. You know, before you said this, you know, you had this word convergence that I think was overused for a while. And now it's coming back into fashion uh, because you do, you know, for example, um, you know, we've had governors who we know there were plots to kidnap and 
part of that plot included somebody going out on the air quotes here for those listening, the internet or the interwebs and, and doing some open source saying, hey, we know where this luminary lives. We found this information on him. I might, I might say that's a digital threat. Well, now on the protection side or the physical side, you also have folks that are looking at risk management, looking at you know protecting these individuals. And a good protection effort is more than just the bodyguard or the body person that's that's right next to you know to the individual, whether it's a CEO or an entertainer. So I think what we're seeing now is overlapping domains. Um, I think it was, uh, and I'm going to look because I happen to have something pulled up um, when you brought this up on something I'm working on on a white paper I wrote. And I think it was uh, <clears throat> C-suite population that faced an increase in, increase in both physical and digital threats this this past year, you know, in 2019, actually 2019, 2020. And there was an article that said 69% of executives have seen a dramatic increase in physical threat activities against their company this year compared to the last few years. And a lot of that's driven by COVID. A lot of that's driven by threat. Now let's overlay the 2020 Verizon. Um, uh, digital threat report, and it says the data breach investigative report suggests corporate executives are targeted 12 times more in phishing and social engineering, uh, where in other, you know, other years are concerned. You put those threats together, and you might say, or if you're listening, like, so what? What does one have to do to, with the other? Well, you know, what's the saying? We don't know what we don't know. So a lot of times I think a process that uh, organizations need need to stop and think about is what I might call like an intelligence-driven operations-led threat-informed uh, philosophy. So in other words, you know, uh, Jeremy, if, you, if you're running the cyber team and I'm running the physical team and we have somebody else over here that is perhaps in uh, uh, branding or social media, maybe we should start thinking about having a regular sync or using some type of software or platform to say, here's what we're seeing um, because it's important because you might look at that and say, Hey, I'm, I'm seeing something here. That's interesting. I mean, you could call me up and say, Hey, Chuck, you know, I see this issue that you reported. Um, can you give me more about that? And that might lead to something that we both might look at and say, okay, this is a deal because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, what is, you know, um, what did Stanley McChrystal say? You know, it takes a network to defeat a network. But if we're bifurcating our own networks into our own tribes and our own cultures, then we're, we're creating fences and between fences are what gaps. Sorry, I, I, that's a little wordy, but you know, it's a very passionate subject for me. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like, you know, let's say you're talking to a startup and do they typically have nothing in place? Do they typically have something in place uh, for digital? They, they might. I mean, there, there are great companies out there that, you know, you can go to and do plug and play that will offer you digital protection. I mean, you know, I, I, you know, I, I won't go through all of them, but there, there are many out there that will do that. But I think a lot of, I believe a lot of startups, they don't, you know, you and I, if we have a startup to make widgets, I don't think our first thing that we're going to say is like, gosh, let's put a robust security structure in place. We're not even thinking about that. Exactly. We're thinking like, dang, we're making widgets. These are the greatest widgets in the world. We want everyone to buy the widgets and we want them to use our widgets. Awesome. And then at some point, I think risk kind of like, risk kind of like walks in, you know, in the back fence. And then before you know it, there's this like dark figure in our room and they're like, who's that? Oh, that's risk. 
and gosh, well, we better mitigate. Um, but what I'm finding more is that you know, maybe it's because of investor, um, investor involvement or just people being more smart around risk is these questions are being asked earlier on like, hey, you know, you have a startup. What have we thought about in terms of your digital footprint to detect, deter, disrupt, or deny activity? Because, hey, you, like, like I said, you and I may have a widget producing company, but gosh, we had a denial of service attack and nobody can order widgets online. Well, that, that's going to affect our bottom line. So I, I, and I think slowly also, maybe, um, maybe it's been exacerbated by COVID, which seems to exacerbate a lot of things. People are now thinking about a physical exposure too, because, you know, in, in the security world, whether it's digital or physical, you know, you have this idea of an endpoint. And a lot of times the endpoint, hey, our endpoint is at a headquarters. It's a brick and mortar building that we've built digital and physical fences around. Well, those endpoints are no longer guaranteed to be in that brick and mortar headquarters. That endpoint could be at your house. It could be at a Starbucks. It could be at a McDonald's. It could be, you know, at a, um, maybe you're at the dunes sitting, you know, sitting at a park bench. But so I think people are thinking more holistically too around the threats um, that are around that are surrounding their executives or their key individuals or or you know their key assets what should people do chuck you know like you mentioned people start to slowly think about the risk and like from a digital perspective what are some of the things they should start to think about and put in place Individuals or companies? Companies. So it's answering good. That's a great question. I think of conjunction, you know, conjunction points or synchronization. And I'll give you a quick aside. Uh, the last 15 years in my military career was in information operations. And it was really, it was like having another full-time job. Um, but a lot of information operations in the army was about, at some level, synchronization. And that stuck with me as an officer. I mean, you know, as an officer, you, you you know, a lot of times uh, non-commissioned officers or sergeants and NCOs, they get to do all the fun and the officers have to go away to a bunch of planning courses. But, you know, every once in a while, some stuff sticks from those. And something that I learned as an IO, information op operations practitioner, was this idea of like, look, my main role here is to get everyone on the same page. So I often think of like conjunction points uh, in terms of what should we do if we're standing at security functions. And you think of just like briefly things like, um, assessments, uh, you know, if we're doing digital and physical assessments, can we combine those? So if we're going to the CEO, you know, if we're going to Jeremy, the CEO of the widget company's home, let's make sure if we're there to do a physical assessment, let's add a digital lens or vice versa. If we've been asked to do the network, could we please uh, go ahead and bring up like, hey, has anybody thought to do a physical assessment so that we can cover our bases? Um, that also includes things like social media scrubbing, uh, personally identifiable information or PII that we need to find and take down. Communication, something else that I think is important because oftentimes, and I think it's getting better, but oftentimes digital and physical security folks aren't always on the same sheet. And, you know, you, you can have this idea of common operating, you know, common operating platforms. We're all working from the same system, common operating language, we're all reporting in the same system. But something else that I think is an undersung hero of all this, uh, Jeremy, is 
common operating information. For example, maybe you're German, maybe I'm French. We might speak English because it's what we learned in business college. But when you think about a problem or you dream, what do you dream in? Probably German. And I dream or think about problems in French. We have a cultural nuance and an unconscious bias, all these kind of things we can add in there. So if we have information that we can look at and we can all look at it from our lens and derive information by which we can make decisions, that's common operating information. And from that, if you're the digital person and I'm the physical person and we're reporting up the chain, be it to, you know, the, maybe it's the CEO, let's just say the CEO, it's important that we're saying similar things because I think people often like, hey, look, I'm the one, I ran up there and I have the information. But if you think about it from a CEO's point of view, look, I need to make a decision. You know, maybe it's, maybe we've had a breach. Maybe our product has, has been tampered with. Maybe we've, we've had, uh, God forbid, we've had an active shooter or something in a building. This is now not the time for me to try to put on what tribe am I talking to? So I, I, I think that idea of communications is something that we need to continue to stress monitoring you know you we're both you know again digital physical we're both monitoring for threats if we can understand what each, what each other is monitoring for and we can figure out what resources i mean you talk about at the top of the show hey we need we need to have ways in which we can take activities that we do time and time and time again so that we can come to it get common operating information say hey this is something that affects physical this is something that affects digital one might say to the other, I don't care. You know, it's not my cup of tea, but at the end of the day, you know, what do we learn from watching GI Joe cartoons when we were kids? Knowing is half the battle. And then of course, the other bit that we're seeing more of now, well, hopefully we'll begin to see more of is, is travel security. Uh, you know, we have executives and people that are traveling around. Now, of course, you could say on one end, if you go to Mexico, we don't want you to get lifted. Uh, but in the same sense, we now have to put our digital hat on and say, Hey, please don't use the Wi-Fi at, you know, at the coffee shop or, you know, so as, as many, uh, physical protocols as we put on people with travel, we need to make sure that we're also looking at the digital lens over that and saying, you know, what's the digital issue or the information or operational security issue. Chuck, you mentioned assessment. And so if you're talking to a company and they're, um, they're like, we need to sure up our digital, you know, threats, which yep. will lead to physically the physical threats. Like you said, where do you start people at? How do you, you know, what I kind of visualize is, well, um, do you start, you know, let's Google their name to see what personal information comes up. Where do you start as far and, and what do you do as far as that assessment goes when someone's like, Hey, can you see where we're at? Like you said, the knowledge, can you kind of give us where we're at today? That's a great, uh, that's a great question because if we went out to, uh, five different organizations said cyber, we would probably get 25 different definitions of what that means. So for me as a consultant, if I was coming to you and said, you know, Hey, Jeremy, what is it? that you're afraid of. And that sounds like a very cheeky, you know, response, like what keeps you up at night, which I, I hate that question. <laughs> uh, I'll give you the answer, random traffic accidents. Um, but, you know, I, what I would say is like, 
Jeremy, how do you define cyber? Is it a network? Uh, is it some IT function of a network? Okay, you're worried about the network. Well, let's let's think about a penetration test that's done digitally, or let's let's go through and do some governance and check the blocks. But as you just said, using this as an example, you said information that's available. To me, that suggests that what we're concerned about is a deeper, you know, think about things like 4chan or um, deeper, you know, web searches, dark places that our kids shouldn't be at and we shouldn't be at. Those are professionals to go do. You know, if that were the case, and I'd say, okay, we need to do some deep risk monitoring. Let's identify the, you know, oftentimes corporation, you know, in the intelligence world, things are run on what's called intelligence requirements. But in other words, you know, and you as a, as a doctor, you, you certainly understand this, like what, what's key information you need to know, requirements. Uh, but what often isn't happening is uh, people aren't having these discussions to derive requirements. You know, it's like, hey, go out there and do risk assessment. And then somebody charges forth and starts talking about things. But, you know, are we, you know, are we doing measurements of performance? Or are we doing measurements of effectiveness where we're doing targeted information that leads itself to answering questions? So back to your original question, how would you begin? I would begin, as with everything, a question. Yeah, that makes sense. So you're kind of starting with, what are you afraid of? And then that probably opens up a rabbit hole of different things because they say X. That act, there may be four things touching that thing that they're afraid of, and then you kind of have to assess all those different aspects. Yeah, and, I, and I'll give you a cheat sheet too. If it's a publicly traded company, I mean, you could go to the 10K. You know, every pub, most publicly traded companies have the 10K. It's a financial document. They have to report it to the IRS, et cetera. It's prepared. And while it's mostly financial in nature, if you go to a 10K, within that, that 10K is a risk statement. It basically says this is what we're afraid of. So, you know, back in an earlier life, and I've actually done it since I've come over to the consulting side too, is help people go through and look at their 10K and say, okay, well, your company is concerned about IP loss. It's concerned about brand issues. It's concerned about, um, you know, maybe you're a, uh, maybe you're an up and coming green energy company, you're concerned about geopolitical issues from say Russia or China who might be looking at the, the IP that you're, you're producing. So from that, if we don't know, we can look at these, the 10K and say, okay, well, your 10K listed these eight things. So let's build a monitoring function and an assessment function around these 10 things. And then let's just start drilling down. So, okay, if we're concerned about geopolitical risk, What's the play for the CEO? What's the play for the uh, for the um, for the C-suite folks or, or the the key individuals? What's the play for the company? Okay, what who who might come out? I mean, there's all these things that we can derive that we can you know we can start making a plan around. So, at worst, if you're not able to ask the question, what's what keeps you up at night or what scares you, Jeremy? I can come back and say, Hey, Jeremy, I looked at your 10K. Here's kind of what I think. Here's what I think the monitoring should be around. Um, do you agree or would you add anything to that or take anything away? And you might say, well, we're not really concerned about this, but I'm, you know, due to the IP loss, we, you know, and our, we recently opened an office uh, in Venezuela. We're really concerned about these things. I mean, so you, you kind of get the, the process that goes through it. Chuck, um, 
I have one last question, but first of all, thank you. I want to encourage anyone to go to at-riskinternational.com, learn more about what they're doing there. Um, and this has been, uh, again, like just opening, eye-opening to the different things that are out there. Because a lot of times, at least for me, this is not where my mind goes. And like you said, a company selling widgets is worried about selling widgets and not about everything else that's going on, you know, in their small world and globally. So I appreciate you at least shining a light on this topic in general. And I kind of wanted to um, end on, you've done this, not just digitally, um, not just physically, but for some notable companies and people, including Google Goo Dolls, Whitney Houston, you've helped protect uh, as far as that goes. So I'd love to hear I don't know what pops out as a story in in those days where you were protecting uh, some of these, again, very front facing, very public uh, figures. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I've well, I've been to over Kevin Costner played you uh, in The yeah. Bodyguard, right? <laughs> Yeah, actually, uh, that's a great, that's a funny story. So we were at the Academy Awards with uh, Whitney Houston uh, at the time, her director of security, Alan Jacobs, and, and I was doing what's called advance. And uh, Kevin Costner did come down to see, uh, to see Whitney and he walked up and looked at both of us and we looked at him and she happened to just walk out of her door at that point. And she's like, sorry, boys, but my real bodyguard is here. And he's like, sorry, fellas. Uh, but it was a good joke that was had by all. I I'll give you a great story. Um, and I, gosh, I mean, so many just like run through my mind, like when I was in Africa with MTV and, and, and then down in Brazil with Tony Robbins. And, but I was with Norman Schwarzkopf after he, um, after he came back and retired and he was starting on the speaking circuit and, you know, I was brand, you know, brand new. I think this is like maybe my second detail ever as, as a, uh, executive protection person. And we're at this, uh, venue. It's a big venue. I'm what you might call the number four person on a detail. And for those who don't understand what that is, I'm like the lowest man on the totem pole. So like, go get the cars ready, go do this, go do that. And I'm, you know, squeaky. My hair is much redder and I didn't have any gray in my beard. So I'm at stage right. Uh, somebody else is at stage left. There's people in the front of house. There's like 60,000 people here and there's people out back. The detail leader went back to, uh, to check on something with the car. and somebody failed to tell us about pyro and i think it was asking they said i didn't know so he gets up on stage you know we get him to the venue we walk up on stage you know we haven't been there that long you know sometimes you have the opportunity to what's called advance a location like hey i'm going to bring jeremy here i'm going to go early see what everything is make sure everything's good sometimes it's like boom you, you got to go so we had a quick advance we show up he walks up on stage pyro goes off like Boom, 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 boom. Like flames. Two, or what yeah, is it? Flames yeah. and two confetti cannons. And even though it's shooting confetti, it makes the same sound as a cannon. So you have pyro going off and then you hear this boom, boom. He jumps down behind the podium. I, I like get halfway up on stage. The other guy's on the other side of the stage. Schwarzkopf stands up and puts his hands out. And this is like the mark of somebody who's just like with it. And he stands up and he looks around without missing a beat. He's like, 
Saddam still can't get me. Ha ha ha. And everybody roars in laughter. You know, I'm already thinking like, well, crap, we're going to get fired and I probably need to go change my pants. <laughs> but that was like my second detail ever. And I thought, whoa, but uh, needless to say, I've, I've never failed to ask about pyro. It'd be, the, uh, it'd be nice to know that ahead of time. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But yeah, that's great. And thanks for asking that question and making me think about a little memory, memory trip there. I love it. Well, thank you. Everyone check out at dash risk international.com more of Chuck Randolph's podcast, sweet process and more of the process breakdown and Chuck, I want to be the first one to thank you. Thanks so yeah. much. Thank you, Jeremy. Thanks for listening to the process breakdown podcast. Before you go, quick question. Do you want a tool that makes it easy to document processes, procedures, and or policies for your company so that your employees have all the information they need to be successful at their job? If yes, sign up for a free 14-day trial of Sweet Process. No credit card is required to sign up. Go to sweetprocess.com, sweet like candy, and process like process.com. Go now to sweetprocess.com and sign up for your risk-free 14-day trial. Hi, this is Owen, the CEO and co-founder here at Sweet Process. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast interview, uh, actually, you know what I want you to do? Go ahead and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That way we get more people aware of you know, the good stuff that you get here on this podcast. Again, go on to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Looking forward to reading your review. Have a good day. That's my